Well, I can't wait to meet our host. I hear this is only one of his beat parties. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Hello and welcome back to Too True to Lie with Harry Day. This episode is being brought to you from my parents' house in the upstairs guest bedroom. My dad finally got home from the, uh, uh, it wasn't an old folks' home, but it was a elderly rehab facility. And I'm not going to get too deep into that place, but he was there for two weeks, and he is very happy to be back in the house. And my mom asked me to come spend the first night here in case she needs help with him for anything. We have daytime sitter for him, and we're going to see how the nights go on, whether we need extra help. Um, he has more strength in his legs and upper body than I thought he would have coming out of there. So maybe the rehab will uh, continue and help him. But that is why I am not in the Big Black River studio in the mudroom of my house up there in uh, the county, Madison County, out in the sticks. Um, and that is also why you'll probably hear more nonverbal sound because I'm holding my phone, which is acting as my microphone, in my hand, um, in front of my face. And so we'll see how long I can just sit here and hold it while trying to tell the story. Um, you'll hear, you know, finger, finger noise on the phone, probably shuffling in the bed since I'm in the bed, or sitting on the bed, laying on the bed. Um, sounds and stuff, but, you know, look back at the past 40 some odd episodes, there's not a lot of professionalism going on and it's all about the content and presentation. I'm not sure if I said that right. Content and presentation. Yeah, I said that right. So without further ado, what was that sound? You know, you stay in a home that's not yours, and you notice sounds. And when you're, you're in your own home, you don't notice your everyday, every night sounds because it's it's usual. But it was just the air coming on. I rarely run the air in my house unless it's really hot outside. Anyway, I want to talk about Dave Dorosco. I'm not so sure any of you who listen, and likely if I could get all my Facebook friends to listen, I'm not so sure how many of you would even know Dave Dorosco. And it's a threaded story that I'm going to weave for you. And I, I bring him up. He was a surf friend in California. I was not from California when I was out there. I went out there to surf, but I had, you know, I had 
odd jobs on the side to get by. And Dorosco did the same thing. He was there living in San Diego to surf. And he was a substitute teacher, and he would just take substitute jobs for elementary kids and get paid $100 a day when he, when he wanted to work. And he, he, I don't want to say Dave was the cheapest person I've ever met, but he knew how to stretch a dollar. <laughs> and I'll get to that. we got to start with, well, let me get, my feet got cold. We got to start with how I met Dave Dorosco. Dorosco is from Wilmington, North Carolina, which has a beach on the Atlantic. It does not catch a lot of surf. It catches surf from the uh, southern hemisphere from hurricanes. And then local storms will give you short windows of surf. But he was living in San Diego. I did not know him. When I left South Carolina and moved to California, it was not long after I had been a caddy at Kiowa Golf Resort Island outside of Charleston. And I caddied with a lot of different guys. And one of the guys' name was Dickie Swaja. S-W-A-J-I. I need to turn him on to this, and he'll listen to it. He was a really cool guy. Um, Met him caddying in South Carolina. And he ended up joining the armed forces and became a dentist and went to Iraq as a dentist and stayed at bases But when you weren't, this is what he told me, when you weren't being a dentist, when you were a Marine or in the Army, he was one of the two, you did interrogations, you did interviews, you did whatever, you know, your superiors told you to do. He carried a sidearm. I would send him surf magazines. And he would send me, and I still have it, he sent me a uh, flyer, like a paper flyer that the U.S., that the Allied forces handed out and the leaflets they handed out all over Iraq saying they were there to help them, that, that they were looking for these terrorists who were bad. He gave me, He sent me one of those, and he sent me a note of Iraqi money with Saddam Hussein's likeness on it, his face. And I still have those two articles. And I remember at one art show, I kept them in my in my logbook for my art. And so Dickie had sent me those things in the mail. And there was a time when I would not only put my sculptures on my tables at art festivals, I would find interesting things in my in my kit bag from for doing shows or in my logbook for where I recorded all my sales and took orders. And I would take things and just put them on the tables along with them as curiosities. And I remember distinctly this woman seeing the Iraqi money with with Saddam Hussein's face on it and just getting, you could see the anger in her face. And she looked at me and she said, I just don't agree with this. And I didn't know what she was talking about. I'm like, what do you mean, ma'am? And she goes, 
this, this here. And she pointed at the two items, the two pieces of paper from Iraq. And I had to explain to her that a friend of mine was a Marine dentist over in Iraq and did a tour or two. And he sent me those. And it's just, I'm not a terrorist and I don't support terrorism, ma'am. And she's like, well, I understand. I'm sorry. And I was like, me too. Anyway, when I moved to California, Dickie came out to go surfing. And he was in San Diego and got in touch with me and came up. And we surfed that area, like San Onofre, Old Man's. We went to Trestle's. And then he knew a girl he was friends with whose parents had a little condo, not not an upper end. It was just kind of a mid-range condo in a in a in this I mean it was it could have been apartments, but they weren't apartments. There were two floors. They were like townhouses. And it was a whole complex of them. And this girl's parents lived them, and they were old hippies. One worked for the Waterworks. I can't remember what the woman did. Or maybe she worked for Waterworks, and the man worked for the electric company. I can't remember. But they were big potheads. And Dickie was staying with them when he was down in San Diego. And this was on Pacific Beach, probably 10 blocks, 12 blocks in from the beach. Still great weather. San Diego had great weather. But living in their attic... You could you would go upstairs and then climb a ladder through through the access hole into the attic. Was Dave Dorosco? How he got to know them? How he moved into their attic, which was not a proper room. You know, you had the Joyce's, and he had boards down for flooring and a bed and his stuff and his clothes stacked around and books. And that was like his place. And he was a straight-edge guy. He didn't drink much. He didn't do drugs. He surfed, and he knew every place in that part of San Diego, Pacific Beach, Mission Beach, and into La Jolla on the north end of Pacific Beach. He knew every place that had the cheapest burritos, the cheapest tacos, the cheapest drinks like Cokes or whatever to buy or juices or whatever he liked to drink. I don't remember now. Um, he knew that what, which hotel lobbies had free cookies. Cause these are all places he took me. We would get 25 cent brownies at this one place. And then we would go get, you know, dollar 40 burritos at this little place somewhere. And then we, if we surfed in La Jolla when I was down there, or or surfed up at Black's Beach, north of La Jolla, and came back through, there was this store, it was the neck and back store, and around the back, back room of the showroom, around this partition, were these two massage chairs. And we would go in there and sit in these massage chairs and try them out for free for like 30 minutes. But you know, Drosko and I got along great. We had the same sense of humor. We laughed about everything we talked and talked and talked and we'd sit there and start cracking each other up. And after about 20 minutes, one of the guys that worked there would come around and say, Oh, y'all just still here. Y'all need to go. And we'd say, okay, sure. And we'd get up and leave. And we would go there and get, that's, that's where we would go after we surfed and dried off 
and and get our muscles worked you know the neck muscles the back muscles the leg muscles the whole deal these chairs were awesome so then it'd be getting dark and so we'd get on these two rickety rust bucket bicycles these beach cruisers and we'd ride off through pacific beach and we would find apartments. He knew where the, all the apartment complexes and townhouses were that had hot tubs that you could get through the uh, coded access gates. And you'd either hang out and wait for someone to come in or go out, and you'd go through the gate. Or you, or if it was just a low gate, you'd jump it. And then, So we'd go poaching hot tubs at night. Well, the thing about poaching hot tubs at night is when you're done, you're in really hot water. And so when you're done, you get out, your your board shorts are wet. Usually we didn't have a towel. We might have had a towel and we shared it. I always wore a long sleeve T-shirt when we were out at night because at San Diego, the temperature would get down in the low 60s, sometimes below that. And so you're riding on a bicycle at night, and it's under 70 degrees, and your shorts are wet. And it's cold. <laughs> and it's summertime. Although I live there year-round up in San Clemente. But Dorosco knew all the places to go. He knew all the people that had the good weed. And he would take me there to get me uh, to get his friends to like load up bong hits for me so I didn't have to buy any weed and travel around with it. He knew all the surf spots. He's a fantastic surfer. Pure style. He made surfing look easy. Like I was a little, I was tall. I'm tall and I was thin, and a little, little awkward, kind of not too bony, but oh, you know, I wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I could surf, but I didn't make it look like Joel Tudor, if you knew who he was as a surfer. He made surfing look easy, and he was such a character. So he was living, after he moved out of the attic of this couple, they got tired of him because he kept having guests over like me. And I guess I would sleep downstairs on the couch. Um, The mom would go to bed. The dad would stay up, and I'd smoke pot with him. He'd roll joints, and we'd sit on the couch and just talk. This this older man, he's really nice, laid-back guy. And who knows what Dorosco was doing. Probably up in his attic masturbating or something. So then within a year, I, you know, I've been coming and going from San Clemente down to San Diego and surf spots and hang out with Roscoe. He'd come up and hang out with me a little bit, but mostly I went to San Diego down there. He got his own apartment and got his girlfriend from Wilmington to move over. And so they had a one bedroom apartment and basically it was, you walked in the door, that was the bedroom the kitchen went through a door on the back right. The bathroom went through a door on the back left. So basically they lived in a very small rectangle with a bed that folded down out of the wall into the middle of the room. And I guess her name was Emily. She's on Facebook. She's married now with kids to someone else back in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Great gal, um, blonde-headed but had freckles, um, interesting voice, such a beauty, such a, such a beautiful young woman. And 
Jorosko and her, they just didn't, I don't, I, I didn't see them as a couple, but they were a couple and I didn't question it and I didn't care. And when I stayed there with them, I had to make a little pallet on the floor beside the bed and all three of us slept in the same room. Well, Dorosco had this thing about being nude. <laughs> so I'd be laying on the floor resting after we surfed half the day or all day or did whatever we did during the day. And I, I think Emily taught too. And so she'd be home reading because they didn't have a TV or making something cheap to eat in their kitchen. And so he'd go take a shower. And so I'm laying on the floor on the, on the entry door side of the bed away from the bathroom. And uh, I don't know if I was looking at a book or looking at a surf magazine. I was just laying on the floor, not just chilling. And I hear so I hear this giggle, and I look up, and Drosko is standing over me with one foot on either side of my hips, completely nude and still wet from the shower. And he's just looking at me, grinning and laughing. And I, you know, I take things. I don't shock easily. He is well endowed. <laughs> I think at the time he had an erection. And so I rolled over. I had pants on. I rolled over and like just put my face in my pillow and was like, man, you can just go back in the bathroom or whatever you got to do, but get that thing away from me. And he laughed and, and, and his girlfriend, Emily, just kind of, shook her head about it. She was used to him being him. She was probably happy with him when she was with him because that thing had had its own area code. <laughs> and the other funny thing about his genitalia, I've never seen someone, he, he was 10 years younger than me. I guess he's 10 years younger than me. I'm 50. He's probably 40 by now. He's in Lima, Peru now surfing, has a girlfriend down there who is a Peruvian, I believe. I'm not absolute on that. I know he's got a girlfriend. She's South American. And South America, you need to pick it up and listen to a show. I'm going to have to tell Dorosco about this so I can get someone from Lima, Peru to listen to my show. It's the only continent on this planet Earth that hadn't listened to one of my episodes. Maybe that's why I'm doing this. But really, Dorosco was such a character. He was of Russian descent. His dad was a real miser with the money, and that has to be where he got it. Because he could stretch money, he didn't. He had a he had a white panel van. He could put his boards in there. He could sleep in there. It's kind of like I did with my old suburban. I could put my boards in there and I could sleep in there on trips to Mexico. Because we went on several surfing trips to Mexico to K thirty eight and K fifty eight. If you're familiar with uh, mile markers on the highway from Tijuana going south into Baja. K-38 is 38th kilometer mile marker. It was a surf break off there to the right. We went surfing there one day when I flew back to California to visit him in 04 or 05 after I'd moved back home and rehabbed my leg from tearing my ACL. And we had to paddle around this rocky point. And we were surfing these these waves that moved to the right. I, the only time I ever got a barrel on my longboard was at this... Uh, at this break and it was just a quick cover up and I was out on these, on these like shoulder high waves. And then I went in and, and videoed it. Someone videoed me. Maybe someone was with us. Uh, 
But then I videoed Jorosko, and he was on my board. He he surfed any kind of board there was. He could surf anything. But he was on my nine-foot board, and he just made that thing look so smooth. He knew where to put his heels to put his weight on that board to make the nose do a certain thing. And he knew how to lean and just the minuscule of movement and make that board react and do stuff. And it was just, I mean, he could, I don't know. He was so good. And he probably still is. You only get better. Well, anyway, we were both out there surfing after having been there for a while. This is K38. And so we're going to paddle back around that point to where you uh, come in on the rocks and walk up the beach to where we had parked, along with 30 other cars. And uh, the waves were kind of pushing me towards the rocks, and I, I hadn't been in surf shape for two years, and I was running out of steam trying to paddle and paddle around this rock point and it wasn't rocks, it was just like one big jagged jut of rock that was right at water level. And, I mean, it took everything I had to get around that point. And when I got in, I was pissed off. Probably more because I was out of surf shape and I almost got slammed in the rocks on my board and I couldn't do it anymore like I used to. But Drosko was laughing at me, and <laughs> and he knows exactly what I did, if you listen to this. I picked up these round river rocks that were all over the beach right there and started throwing them at him because I was pissed off at him for making me go through that, even though it wasn't his fault at all. And I'll admit it all day long. I've admitted it to him 12 times and apologized 12 times. But I wasn't throwing rocks at him. I was throwing them near him just to let him know I was pissed off because I'm, I'm bigger than he is, and he's a pacifist pretty much. He's, he's a surfer who doesn't want any hassle. But he is sharp as a tack. K-58 would go down there, and you could camp up on this flat cliff top. And there was a cut trail that went down to go out and surf. And we would go there and surf. One night, we went to this bar that was there at K-58. There was a lot of people there. And we met this dude named Rocky, I believe, who kept buying liters of tequila he dropped the first one after we drank some and and <laughs> and Tarasco was drinking and get, and when he got drunk he he didn't get as weird as the uh as the uh Italian guy when I did the first California tour and he he wouldn't drink and then when he drank he masturbated in the room I was trying to sleep in. If you hadn't listened, listened to that episode, that's what happened. This guy, I, I didn't watch because I was under the covers trying to trying to go to sleep. <laughs> anyway, uh, I would say Dorosco was pretty close to being like that, but he didn't do anything like that. But he he was a ladies' man, though. I don't, he could, I don't know what it was about him, how he could pick up a lady and, and talk her into anything. Anyway, the three of us are dan are in there. Rocky's not dancing. He's kind of a cumbersome, bulky dude who's in Mexico for the first time. He's an American. And we're in this club full of music, and me and Dorosco are dancing with these girls who are booty dancing with us. And uh, we're sh shooting tequila with Rocky, and then he drops the bottle, 
and it crashes and, and we pick up all the glass and he goes and buys another one. And so we're drinking that and beer with him and, and Roscoe got pretty toe up. We still got up in the morning and went surfing. We would cook our own meals on a little single top gas burner and we would cook like macaroni and cheese and hot dogs or macaroni and cheese and tuna fish. Tuna mac. You know, heard of tuna mac? We had a lot of tuna mac on our surf trips. Dorosco was the guy who first took me to Black's Beach. You go to the glider port by Torrey Pines. You park. You lock your stuff up. You get your board. You get your sandals. You get your towel. And you have to hike down this little eroded canyon to what I call Donkey Beach. I called it Donkey Beach because it was a nude beach. It was the nude beach of San Diego County. Except it was all dudes. And so, like, we would laugh and make jokes, you know, and be ourselves about the whole naked dudes all laying around. We only saw one woman there ever, and she had the biggest bush since 1968. <laughs> and she was not much to look at. Not that it would have mattered. We would hustle our way through Donkey Beach down beach towards La Jolla, but not all the way, just, you know, a couple hundred yards to Black Beach, Black's Beach. I don't know how they name these sections of beaches, different names, but that's where the waves broke best, and we would surf there. Then we'd have to come back through Donkey Beach with the guys with the tan peckers and make our way up, and then we'd go back into La Jolla, driving back through there, and we'd stop off at the massage chair place. We'd go walk across the street to the hotel and get a couple of free chocolate chip cookies and smile at the girl behind the counter. Then we'd uh, roll into town in, in Pacific Beach and like find what we wanted to drink. I didn't drink alcohol either. So we, gosh, what did we drink? I don't even know what we drank back then. Gatorade? Juice? Used to be this stuff called muscle milk that was... Uh, the consistency of it was almost like egg whites, but not as nasty or thick. And I don't think they make muscle milk anymore. They they used to have it on Folly Beach at one of the gas stations, and Brad and I would always go and get that and and, and hammer those. It was all it was all protein. It was like a like a thick protein milk in a carton, <laughs> like a like a pint or half pint milk carton okay Dorosco Dorosco yeah still kicking it down in Lima good for him still surfing it still working it oh it's only been 26 minutes um gosh I don't know how this quality sound quality is going to go with the opening intro music and the outro music and I really wanted to get in touch with Dorosco and find out what his favorite Sublime song was and use that song as an outro, an edited version like I do. But I wouldn't be able to do it anyway here in the upstairs guest room of my parents' house, which I've got the door closed and they're downstairs on the other end of the house, so they can't hear me. I do have... my Arizona green tea. And I went to Walmart for the first time in almost two months the other day. And I was, 
I knew we had milk, but I was going to get more milk just because you can never have enough milk, especially when you have kids. And I was getting a couple other things I needed. Uh, we were going to have the fr- the frog leg fish fry. What in the world? What's oh, the air? That sounds like someone was tapping on my door. Um, this house is too new to be haunted. <laughs> so, I look down the aisle where I know they have the Arizona green tea, and there's a guy with a pallet, and he has all these boxes on it. And so I'm like, I'm not thinking much about it because I'm looking down, but I'm not seeing the Arizona green tea. There's a gap there. It's pretty popular. So I walk down and I actually see one or two bottles up on the shelf, but I look down and the guy on the pallet has six cases of Arizona green tea jugs. Now, I want Arizona tea to know that just one of those cases has four jugs in it, and all you have to do is mail me one a month. That's a jug a week of Arizona green tea, and I will talk about your fabulous green tea with honey every single podcast. I'll talk about it twice. I will write a song about Arizona green tea with honey for you and perform it for the podcast. Maybe I need to let the people know I have a podcast. I did, but they never wrote back. Um, Maybe I should try again. Maybe I should get someone else to do it for me. If I had a number two that could remember words that I'm trying to think of and say, no, no, you're trying to think of hexagon or no, 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 no. The word you're thinking of is uh, quadrilateral. I don't know why I'm, I'm using geometry terms here. Let's get back to Dorosco. I know I'm forgetting a great Dorosco story and I cannot think of it. We went up coast one time. Just he and I went all the way up to uh went to Monterey Bay and surfed. We went further north to we went up the one oh one and camped. It was beautiful. I've been up the one oh one before, but there was no fog when I went this time and you and you could just see everything. It was clear. And we went to some place south of Half Moon Bay which is where Mavericks is, the big, big waves. And the fog had socked in, and David called this guy a wild guy, wild-eyed, looked like he was ex-military, crazy wild, will do anything, you know, and he came out and surfed with us. And it was in the morning, kind of early, and it was just three of us at this beach, and the waves weren't that good, and while we were trying to surf, they had surfed. They, I slept for a little while because I just, I wouldn't, the waves didn't look good. I didn't feel like fighting, you know, soupy waves. They weren't even big. And then finally I was awake after our little drive from wherever we camped. You know, we always illegally parked camped somewhere along the coast, just like we used to do in Florida. And um, I remember I paddled out and we were surfing. And they'd been surfing a while, so they were going in to get something to drink. And so I'm out by myself 
and the water's real silvery and thick looking and you can't see down in it. It's real cold. We have wetsuits and booties on because the water was, was really cold in central and north central and north California. It's already cold in Southern California. And I remember I'm sitting there waiting for a wave and I, I happen to look in to where a rock outcropping is on the left and I'm seeing these seals get out of the water. And I remember watching a special on sharks. And I remember someone one time telling me, a Californian, about how when you see sharks getting, I mean, you see seals getting out of the water when people are around, that means something more threatening is in the water. And it hit me. The seals are getting out of the water. That means there are predators around here in the water. And I'm out here by myself in in a black wetsuit on a blue, I guess my board was blue, in the water, who knows what it looks like with no sun. So I go in, and that was all, that was it for surfing North California for me. I couldn't do it. I, I do remember we parked, were we in San Jose? It was one of those towns, it was the town that uh, Lost Boys took place in, the movie Lost Boys. On the main thoroughfare going through town, we parked one street over in a neighborhood, kind of between two yards or two houses in the yards on the street where people had cars parked because they had more cars and they had space in their driveways. We just kind of casually parked on the street and we slept in my Suburban. Yeah, sounds right. Or were we in his van? I think we were in my suburban. And, but we kept having to drive up to the payphone so he could call his girlfriend. He had to. He always had to keep a line of communication going with his girlfriend. And who knows what they talked about for that long of a time. I just remember laying in the back of the suburban with one of the doors open, you know, with so cool air could get in. And he's sitting in a lawn chair that we brought with us at a payphone, back when they had payphones, with a hoodie up and on, talking on the phone. Now, what we noticed while we were hanging out at this phone for two days was across the street was a hotel with hot tubs. And <laughs> we poached that hot tub, and no one ever messed with us. I don't know how we got in. Everything's so private there in California. Gates and walls and fences and stuff. But he just seemed to know how to get around all that stuff. We uh we had so much fun surfing. Uh, we'd go down to the Pacific Heights and surf off of uh, was it Oceanside, South, San Diego. You didn't go too close to the Mexican border and surf because the Tijuana River dumped into the Pacific Ocean and all kinds of garbage and and filth and stuff went out in the water there and not many people surfed there. I don't know if I can bring up another... Uh, I don't know if I have any more Jurassic stories. I know I do, but I can't think of them. He would come up and see me. One time he and Emily came up and we all slept in my 
queen in my bed in Kay's house. I rented a room from a woman named Kay, who was a paralegal, who I worked for part time, reading her uh, cases and highlighting uh, names or the subject matter of the case. So all the lawyer had to do was go to the highlight when he needed the specific information. But all three of us slept in my bed. And it was just like, I mean, we're almost like hippie commune people. The way the way we, uh, you know, lived together and served. That's just the lifestyle, I guess. This would be 2003. 2002 was when I lived down there and visited them all the time. Oh, I know the story I want to tell. This is a non- surf story. There were three Brazilian girls who lived in the townhouse area of Dickie's friend's parents where Dorosco lived in the attic. <laughs> and by the way, San Diego has the best thrift stores I've ever been to. You get the coolest shorts and t-shirts and shirts. And if you're like the Padres, they had a ton of San Diego Padres regalia I mean tons I didn't get any because I didn't I'm not big into baseball pro baseball just Mississippi State baseball anyway the Brazilians lived these three girls um if I had to rate them from one to ten I'd say the tallest one was a ten the next tallest one was a nine and then the shorter one was a f- six, maybe a seven. But they were all pretty gorgeous. Two of them were just knockout gorgeous. And somehow Dorosco chatted them up, and they were going to have a party one night. But when they told us about that, we were all hot tubbing together, and they were talking in their, uh, in Portuguese. And the ten kept giving me eye eyes you know and I was I was smoking a lot of really really good weed when I was there that stretch of time and I just I couldn't handle getting hit on by Miss Brazil (laughs) which is I don't know what was wrong with me but I just felt I just guess I felt like a goofball and then her friend or sister who was the nine was into Dorosco and then the other one who was short who was who was cute she was the wild one I don't know who or what she was into anyway they told us they were having this party and so Dorosco and I left and I don't know if the party was that night let's just say it was across the street in another apartment complex or we were staying no, we weren't staying there because that's where we had to go stay because we got locked out of Dickie's friend's place because we stayed out past midnight. And he had friends across the street in an apartment where we went and stayed on the floor. Or maybe I did. But we were over there earlier talking to these guys and smoke, I was smoking some pot. And then we came walking down the street and past the townhouses, and we look up in the window, and all the there's this big each upstairs room to these townhouses had big single pane windows, 
And <laughs> in this big single pane window, it was twilight. And so she had her lights on and it was getting dark outside. We were walking on the sidewalk. And I just happened to look up and notice that this girl was walking around in her underwear, just her bottoms. And we could see everything. And I stopped and said, Drosko. And I pointed. And he was like, ooh. And so we just sat there and watched <laughs> like idiots. As she went around her room, just kind of, I don't know what the hell she was doing, prancing around her room. She knew she was topless and the the curtains were wide open, or the blinds. She never saw us, and we kind of got the feeling like, hey, maybe we should move along. We've seen it. It's not going to get any smaller, bigger, better, worse. You know, we caught, we caught the window. Let's move on. And so we did. And so we went to their party that night. And there were three Brazilian girls and about 30 guys. And all the lights were off except for these strobe lights. And the music was so freaking loud, you couldn't talk to each other. And the the girl that was in Dorosco was talking to her. All the other guys were talking to themselves in little groups watching the Brazilian girls. The youngest girl was having fun bouncing from guy to guy, doing just talking and dancing and drinking and smoking cigarettes, probably. And I just never talked to the uh, Miss Miss Universe or whatever she was because the 29 guys there were after her. And I think I put it in my mind, why even, what's, what's the point? Why even try? You know, I'd probably say something stupid anyway. I'm too stoned. And so we hung out for a while, and then when we left, we couldn't get in. The door was locked where I was supposed to stay. Dave, I guess Drosko had a place to stay. And I was supposed to stay at Dickie's friend's place, and I couldn't get in. And so I walked over to those two guys' apartment up the street, and they happened to be awake. It was after midnight, and they happened to be up. And they let me in, and and they were real nice, real accepting, real cool. Um, we hung out a little bit, smoked a little bit, and uh, I guess I just slept on the floor. I, and I was in my thirties doing this. You know, it, you'd think it was the nineteen thirties, the lifestyle I was sleeping in my vehicle and traveling around and. You know, poaching hot tubs and riding bicycles all over San Diego coastline. And um, the surf was good. The water was nice. The beaches were nice. But Drosko, man, he, I just don't understand how you could be 23 years old and have balls that hung down like eight inches or more. You'd think when he sat on the toilet, they'd go in the water. I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. I called him Long Ball. <laughs> yeah, old Long Ball. But Drosko's a trip, man, and I love you. I really do. I don't know if you ever came and saw me in Mississippi. You said you would. You might have passed through one time driving across country. I can't remember now. But, uh... You're one of those guys that you meet and you don't forget and you and you relish the time that you had hanging out because San Diego time, doing the things I discussed here, you know, that was fun. It was one in a million thing.
and we had we had fun. Mexico was fun. You know, when we were walking down K fifty eight down that cliffside on the on the on the cutback path, it was Fourth of July, and the Mexicans that were there on holiday were shooting off fireworks. Nothing big, just bottle rockets and firecrackers. But most of it, they were shooting or throwing over the cliff. So if you were going down that trail to go surf or coming up that trail from surfing that day, you were dodging firecrackers and bottle rockets the whole way. I was just, you know, these are just things that don't happen more than once in your life. And that's why you must enjoy your life. Because this is your only life in this material world. Until you move on. And I do believe you move on. You leave your material body and your spirit, your soul goes to where it's supposed to go or where it's drawn to or it needs to be. And then you start that next life. But while you got this physical sensing life of emotion and feeling and all the good and all the bad, you know, you're going to go through it all. But go through it all. You know, get your nose out of that book. Get your face off of that screen and get outside and move around and meet people. Meet as many meet as many possible people as you can. And not to take advantage of them or to use them or get something from them. Just meet them. Get to know them. Let them get to know you. You know, meeting Dorosco was... One of the coolest things I did in my whole California year-long tour or whatever it was, living out in California. We were both transplants, and we both transplanted, retransplanted. Anyway, this is Harry Day out of the studio recording on his phone, True True to Lie. And you know the drill. This is where I do. I went over 40 minutes. How did I do it? This is where I say peace.
singing out the song in a strain.